I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. We're joined today by two poets from New Mexico, John Roach and Jules Nyquist. They'll be telling us about a publication project they're in the midst of called Poets Speak, and they'll be sharing their poems. Then we'll take a look at what Zora Neale Hurston and Sherman Alexie have in common. That's poetic prose. Stay tuned. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. We have a special treat today. We have two poets from Albuquerque, New Mexico, John Roach and Jewel Nyquist. And by the way, Jewel went to college in my hometown of Bennington, Vermont. So we're going to hear about their poetry, and they're involved in a number of projects. These are not poets who... uh, sit in seclusion and write their own poems, and that's what they do. They write their own poems, but they do other things to promote poetry and to, to put poetic messages into the world. So welcome to Poetry Spoken Here. This is just great. Hi, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. And, and just to start right off, why don't you uh, tell us about projects, for instance, the Poets Speak Project? Well, uh, that started uh, right after the election, and I had trouble sleeping, like a lot of people. I was waking up in the middle of the night and luckily writing a lot of poems uh, at three or four or five in the morning. Uh, but I felt very frustrated and not, not knowing what to do and so forth. And I uh, had the idea for a little anthology series that we're calling Poets Speak. Uh, there'll be five. Uh, hoping to get them out this summer. The first one, Trumped, appeared uh, earl- uh, earlier this uh, spring. Poems about Trump <laughs> and our reactions to him. And then Jules edited the second volume that's called Hers, which are poems about uh, about women and women's issues. And uh, there'll be a uh, third volume out, hopefully by the end of the month, called Water, dealing with fracking, uh, water pollution, pipelines, standing rock, the whole business. And then a fourth volume called Survival, uh, make of that what you wish, and a fifth volume called Walls. And uh, the five volumes, we're donating all the profits to several organizations that are defending our rights, like the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and uh, a couple of other organizations along those lines. Yes, we just, um, from the sales of Trump, um, we just donated $500 to the ACLU. Um, So that was exciting. And I think that's really important. And we've got a lot of really good feedback from other poets as part of the series that they're really encouraged that this is something that can make a difference. So they're buying copies of Trump and then the profits that we have go to these worthy organizations. So we're really happy to do that. We are still accepting some poems for the last two anthologies, Survival and Walls. And I guess you, uh, if, if you wanted just to send it to my, my email, uh, brooksidepoet at yahoo.com. That's, uh, all one word, Brookside Poet at Yahoo. So anyway, that's basically it for the series. Mm-hmm. 
That's very, it's a very cool project. I, I didn't realize the, the part about uh, donating the proceeds and the whole idea of just getting these messages out there to people. Right. Yes. And then with the HERS, um, we're having, you know, we've been having book releases in um, Albuquerque and also uh, as we travel. Um, John also had a reading in Rochester, New York area for Trump. Um, for HERS, we'll have a, a book launch and a mm -hmm. June in Albuquerque. And we're also doing one in Santa Fe. Um, yeah. And as we travel around, mm -hmm. we also encourage people, if they're in the anthologies, they can set up their own readings as mm -hmm. well in their own home cities. Mm -hmm. And um, you can order the books online. Mm -hmm. um, they're on Amazon. Um, they're also, I want to give my website address, which is kind of the home base, which is my name, JulesNyquist.com. Uh, it's J-U-L-E-S-N-Y-Q-U-I-S-T.com. So if you go to that website, there'll be a tab called Poets Speak Anthologies. Just click on that and you'll get all kinds of information about the series. Mm -hmm. And there's links to order mm -hmm. all of the books. And um, you can also subscribe to all the series if you want to um, just have them automatically sent to you. You don't want to worry about when they come out. Um, we've, we've got about 30 subscribers right now, which is really cool as well. Yeah. So thanks. So, and there's a yeah. calendar on there. We'll be posting, you know, things. We also have a Facebook page um, called Poets Speak Anthology. So if you just kind of Google that on Facebook, um, you'll get that Facebook page. It's a public mm -hmm. page. Um, mm -hmm. So that's another. Uh, uh, so may, maybe read a poem? You want to I read think that's a good poem? idea. Yeah, let's hear some poetry. Um, yeah, so John's going to read a poem from Trump, and yeah. um, it's and we've got in these anthologies, there are poets from nationwide, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, also yeah. the UK, yeah. Scotland, Mexico. So we have a really wide variety of poets. So I've got really uh, one from a uh, well-known Scottish poet um, from uh, the Glasgow area, uh, Stuart Patterson, Stuart A. Patterson, and this is a poem about Trump's mother. It's in the Trump <laughs> book. And not a lot of people don't know his mother was an, an, a poor immigrant from Scotland, which is rather ironic. Stuart A. Patterson. Uh, this is called Immigration Visa Number 26698, New York, May 11th, 1930. Mary McLeod, low-earning migrant fleeing poverty to live with your sister who'd been banished from a strict religious land in an unwed childbirth scandal just a few years previously. Welcome to America, where 13 years from now, you yourself we will be wed to Fred, give birth to irony, or as he'll come to soon be known, the Domino. Good job that Hoover isn't into building walls, Marianne McLeod from Croft 5 in Tong on Lewis. Away in you come, put your feet up, we'll make you a cup of tea and have a chat about acceptance, tolerance, and the land of the fucking free. Oh, yeah. And Jules, you want to read one from hers? Uh, sure, I'll share one from hers, and it's really been a pleasure putting this together. We also have photographs and artwork um, kind of in between the sections, and it addresses, um, it, it originally we thought about more of the equal rights, but um, I wanted to call it hers because it's broader than that. 
it goes way back. You know, we have poems starting from the Ice Age um, all the way to the present political situation. So it's women in history, biblical stories, the Madonna, women's bodies, the invisibility of older women in society, and then of course, you know, um, the current political situation. So um, I really like this poem of Mary Dudley, who is an Albuquerque poet, and I read this poem at a um, open mic gathering in Albuquerque last week. So it's called Lupe, and it's to our little sister, the Virgin de Guadalupe. And especially in the Southwest and the Catholic tradition, the, the Virgin, the, the Guadalupe, um, she's everywhere. And it's almost like a brand going on. So this is kind of addresses some of that. So by Mary Dudley, Albuquerque poet. Were you sweeping the floor in your mother's kitchen, thinking impure thoughts about Jacobo when that dodgy guy showed up, the one who said he was an angel with a sketchy story about God's baby already in your womb? Didn't you have dreams of your own, a home, a garden, a small vineyard perhaps with purple grapes, plump, yielding wine, sweet as kiss, babies of your own? They gave you to an old man. No one questioned his intentions. You bore that boy, neither his nor yours, raised him up to see him killed. To that you gave your life. No one asked you if you would, you did as you were told. But now, Lupita, look, people wear your image on gold around their neck, in pins on their jacket. They've made a goddess out of you, a princess, a queen is what you are. Why, they hang your picture from the mirror in their car. You're on potholders, little sister, and on tote bags and pillow tops. Prisoners wear you inked upon their chest, where when they fight, fists batter you, you bleed, but everyone's your fan. No, you didn't get to choose your life, but look, Lupe, you're a brand. That's out of hers, yeah. Mary Dudley. And I'd like to read one more from Trump that I really like, and it's a poet from Vermont. And perhaps you know her, Caitlin Gildrian, from the Green Mountains of Vermont. Um, and uh, this is called, this is also from the Trump book, and it's called Transition. Remember the change in pitch after your water broke, when you could no longer tell yourself that what you were feeling was an interesting sensation requiring all your attention, when you could no longer tell yourself you were feeling anything but pain. Remember how your voice dropped low when the pains hit and how the midwife nodded and murmured approvingly? Now something was happening. Remember how then, after a while, the low moans pitched upwards, sometimes into shrieks? You wanted something different, a YouTube birth, the kind you get when you type in gentle, peaceful home birth but you were not at home and you were in the end screaming. I think this is like that. I think, I think it's going to be. We are in the low moans now. The hope of a peaceful revolution flew off with that sparrow from the lectern. 
And those still seeking revolution do not seek peace. Mostly these things are bloody in any case. Most often they make a mess. And now we're dilating, we're breathing hard, and we're going to have to work now, going to have to push, even though we think it'll tear us in half. It's months too late now to change our minds. The question now is whether and which of us will make it through alive. Whoa. That is yeah. a super poem. Yeah. Kate, Caitlin Gildrian of Vermont. That's out of Trent, a poet's theology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's interesting the range of, of things yeah. you currently collected with this project. I mean, yeah. the, yeah. ending off of the basic theme is just uh, yeah. really, really interesting. And I think we both like to keep the topic, the themes kind of broad. And, you know, we've got people who do experimental work like Michael Peters um, and people who do poems in form, people who do free verse. And again, very, very different notions of theme. So for instance, with walls, you think of Trump's wall, you think of immigration. I also have poems about prison walls, poems about emotional walls, a poem, a poem about the, the wall of the iPhone screen, you know, between us and, and whatever. So, so I like, you know, uh, I, I think we both wanted to keep the, the focus, to give the poets a lot of leeway, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah, and I also want to mention this is a joint project with uh, Beatlick Press yeah. as well, mm -hmm. which is a small New Mexico press. Mm -hmm. um, their website is, I believe, it's a beatlick.com. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I run what's called Jules Poetry Playhouse, and so with this project, we've been dabbling in publishing as well. So it's also mm -hmm. Jules Poetry Playhouse publications mm -hmm. um, that we're starting to do some joint, this is a joint project. Mm -hmm. um, and Beatlick has published mm -hmm. a couple of my books in the past and, and yeah. John did another anthology. Yeah. So, so it's, it's mm -hmm. real um, yeah. part of my vision for Jules mm -hmm. Poetry Playhouse is collaboration and being out there in the community and showcasing other poets. Do you want well. to say a few words about the Playhouse? Yeah, so do you actually have a space there? That's we have a space. Yeah. It's a physical space, like a studio space in Albuquerque. Um, and so we have visiting writers coming through. Um, and I also do some writing workshops and classes there. Mm -hmm. So it's been, a, and my whole philosophy is having that play and creativity mm -hmm. as part of poetry mm -hmm. and to really tap into that mm -hmm. fun part of yourself and mm -hmm. to relax um, and not, you know, you've got the rules. I'm, I'm a more a formalist poet than John is, uh, <laughs> but it's still, you have to kind of, know the rules and then break the rules. Mm -hmm. um, and we have our little t-shirt mascots, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, is we have a picture of Poe on a t-shirt mm -hmm. with Jules Poetry Playhouse. So, um, and we also, and then we've been growing that as well. We have Walt Whitman, 
on there. So John is more of the Whitman uh, <laughs> fan. We've got an mm-hmm. Emily Dickinson one. And whenever mm-hmm. poets come to read, I offer them a T-shirt. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. which one they pick out for their <laughs> it's personality. It's kind of a Rorschach <laughs> test, right? Which you, That's you it's right. Oh, or Whitman, right? Yeah. Or Emily. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or Emily, yeah. But we've had yeah, poets come in to do readings and workshops from all over the country. Uh, Michael Zernecki, you know well, from, from New York State. And uh, uh, poets from uh, Oklahoma and Arizona and um, oh, Minnesota, yeah, Colorado. Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. they've been yeah. from all over. Yeah, Jared Smith uh, just came down from Colorado. So, yeah. And so, it's yeah. a small space. You know, it's about the size of a living room. And we can fit about 20, 25 people. Mm-hmm. But it's it also creates an intimate space as well. Mm-hmm. And our mm-hmm. audience is usually other poets. Uh, so... So the poets are really appreciative that they have a, mm-hmm. a an audio, a peer audience. Yeah, you need that external stimulation also for all yeah. of your Albuquerque people to just have a different voice yeah. come in. Is is I always think that's so important. It does. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. does help. And uh, and we have some artwork on the walls, including the I want to mention Denise Weaver oh, yes. Ross, who yes. is a poet and an artist. She's the one that did all of our covers for the for she the poet the speak yeah she designed those you have another uh, poem you might like to do uh, another one from I her i could read my nasty women poem yeah why don't you like? you? Ooh, good nasty uh, women are good nasty women th- this is a poem that this is a poem that Jules read at the state capitol in santa fe uh on uh what are women's for women's it was in month. march yeah. uh, mm-hmm. i think march 8th so, yeah. you know mm-hmm. women's history day so a uh, few of us i'm the uh, member of the albuquerque now chapter the national organization for women and a few of us went up there and um you, you read, know, the poem. It, read yeah. i read the poem and we they had a, um some speakers on just you know women's history and women's okay. rights um so this is called, this is a nasty woman pantoum, and a pantoum is a form that repeats lines, for those that don't know that. I started writing this before the election, and then I altered it a little bit after the election. I suppose I could have stayed home, baked cookies, hosted teas, but I've been labeled a nasty woman. If I was elected, I could have slept with an ex-president, The first dude would have played sax full-time. I am a nasty woman. Janet Reno's mother wrestled alligators. The first dude would have played sax full-time. Georgia said, if I painted that mountain long enough, I would own it. Janet Reno's mother wrestled alligators. My life broken too right there, Mabel. Georgia said, if I painted that mountain long enough, I would own it. I am proud to wear pantsuits. My life broken too, Mabel. I am fearless on the far side of 50, Erica. I am proud to wear pantsuits with zippers, flying first class without fear. I'll escape to an island. I've had enough. I am fearless, long past the far side of 50. Joan didn't sleep with any man who had a draft card. Flying first class without fear, I will continue to work with children. I could have been your Madam President. Victoria Woodhull was counting on me. Joan didn't sleep with any man who had a draft card. A woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. I could have been your Madam President. Victoria Woodhull was counting on me. I would have kept abortion legal 
Honey, if men could get pregnant, it would be a sacrament. A woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. I wasn't elected, but I can still sleep with the ex-president. I would have kept abortion legal, honey. If men could get pregnant, it would be a sacrament. I suppose I could have stayed home, baked cookies, and hosted teas. <laughs> and you may recognize some of the women mentioned in that poem. Of course, there's Hillary Rodham Clinton, Janet Reno, Mabel Dodge Luhan, which is uh, who started the colony up in Taos for writers, Georgia O'Keeffe, Erica John, Joan Baez, and Victoria Woodhill, who was actually the first woman who ran for president before women even had the vote. Uh, she ran. She didn't win, obviously, but she ran. And then Gloria Steinem. So it's been really fun um, researching these women through history. Yeah. And the poem is really an accomplishment to, do, to say those things so well and to follow the form, of course. Yeah. It really took a while. <laughs> and have some fun with history. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's really super. It's great that you're getting out poetic poems. Sometimes, you know, when poems have a message, they're uh, yeah. not so poetic, you might say, uh, disappointing poetically. Mm -hmm. But um, the things you're collecting and writing work, you know, work as good poems as well as having messages. Yeah, that's the whole point that we want to get across. And I think. A lot of poetry is, you know, most poetry is political, and I think it's good for people to write what their reactions are, and it helps, you know, mm -hmm. you, you feel that community and that support mm -hmm. that you're not yeah. alone as poets. And, so, yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, in many countries, in, in, in America, there's been this whole, I think in Britain to some extent, but especially America, there's been this whole uh, thing about onus against political poetry as if, you know, political poetry is somehow lesser, um, and uh, which goes back, I think, to the, the dominance of the new critics in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and so forth. Uh, but in many countries, Latin America especially, uh, it's just expected that politics will, will be, that, I'm sorry, the poetry will be about more than just your own little isolated self. It's about the community. Yeah. It's about the world we live in, so that by definition, there's a political aspect to it. You know, whether you're talk, talking about Neruda or Lorca or whatever. So, um, so I think that. But on the other hand, I I, I like, you know, I, I don't think poetry is the same as speech making, and I don't think that poetry is the same as as advertising or propaganda. I think that, you know, that a good poem has to be more than a quote message. Mm -hmm. you know, that, well, that's what that's yeah. what we're looking for. Don't yeah. you think that, that's probably why Aristotle gave us the rhetoric and the poetic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because a poem that gets too rhetorical, you know, too preachy. Yeah, too preachy. Yeah. Right. And that's an art to that. You want to yeah. have yeah. be mm -hmm. yeah. referencing things but without mm -hmm. being preachy. And that's hard to do sometimes. So yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. One of the good ones, the use of metaphor and different things in these poems mm -hmm. is great. You know, I love, I and, love, and I just, a, a certain yeah. amount, I mean, you know, a certain, leaving a certain amount unsaid or leaving some possibility mm -hmm. uh, for the reader's interpretation is, uh, is helpful, I think. Yeah. That's, that's the part that makes it art. 
Yeah. And not just a message, I think. Mm -hmm. What you're saying. Yeah. We've had over, I think there were over 70 poets in Trump and 50 something in hers. So each volume has at least 50 poets in it, which is great. Okay. Um, Did did you have any last poem you wanted to do, John, or should we just say wrap it up? If you got one, let's put it in. Well, uh, I'll do the, you know, I'll I'll do the, my poem, which is the title poem for Trump, I guess. Just called Trump. Trump looms, Trump lurks, Trump snorts, Trump humps the chair, Trump grasps the electric scepter, Trump pants and groans, Trump sweats orange, bleeds orange, melts orange. Nomad Sweeney, Nomad Lear, Nomad Quig. How can a brand be mad? How can a brand be tragic? How can a brand be a man? Trump stakes, Trump hotels, Trump casinos, success by Trump cologne, the Trump shuttle, Trump neckwear, Trump cufflinks, Trump chandeliers, Trump cocktail tables, Trump bar stools, Trump vodka, Trump natural spring water, Trump ice. Yes, he really tried to market ice. Trump the game, Trump University, tour to Trump. A nation of salesmen meets the age of simulacra. The ultimate Babbitt, the the true fruition of everything Melville, Twain, Whitman, Veblen, Louis Vidal warned us against. The Donald R. Us in hype we trust. All of us coated with a great orange oil slick. All of us covered in the gurry of it, as Charles Olson would say. All of us covered in great orange whale shit. Is it possible to write poetry after Trump? And uh, I guess the the message of the anthologies is yes, it is possible. Yes. <laughs> Go out and do it. Absolutely. It's generating a lot of poetry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, this has been really great. We're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter talking with Jules Nyquist and John Roach from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thank you. talking with John Roach and Jules Nyquist from Albuquerque, New Mexico, here on Poetry Spoken Here. Now, I'd like to turn our attention to something called poetic prose. I was recently reading Zora Neale Hurston's autobiography, Dust on a Road, and I was struck more than once at passages that were phrased so poetically all I could think was poetic prose. I wondered what the literary critics have to say about the concept, and looked it up. Alas, when I googled the phrase, all I got was a long list of sites ready to tell me about prose poetry, but no good leads to poetic prose. So I thought I'd do this, try to get you enlisted to join me in thinking about the concept, what it means, and what makes prose genuinely poetic. I'll do that by reading a few excerpts that that I think qualify. Let's start with Hurston from the autobiography. In this snippet, she's talking about perception. Nothing that God ever made is the same thing to more than one person. That's natural. There's no single face in nature because every eye that looks upon it sees it from its own angle. 
So every man's spice box seasons his own food. Naturally, I picked up the reflections of life around me with my own instruments and absorbed them, what I gathered according to my inside juices. There are two churches, Methodist and Baptist, and a school. Most people would say that such institutions are always the great influences in any town. They would say that because it sounds like the thing that ought to be said. But I know that Joe Clark's store was the heart and spring of the town. It's a very common notion, the idea that we all see things differently. It's almost cliched, but somehow Hurston finds this very interesting way to state this rather obvious fact, that we all see things differently, filter it through our own backgrounds and perceptions. Here's another excerpt in which she talks about the effects of reading on herself as a young child. In a way, this early reading gave me great anguish through all my childhood and adolescence. My soul was with the gods, and my body was in the village. People just would not act like gods. Stew beef, fried fat back, and morning grits were no ambrosia from Valhalla. Raking backyards and carrying out chamber pots were not the tasks of Hercules. I wanted to be away from drabness and to stretch my limbs in some mighty struggle. I was only happy in the woods when the ecstatic Florida springtime came strolling from the sea, trance-glorifying the world with its aura. Then I hid out in the tall, wild oats that waved like a glinty veil. I nibbled sweet oak stalks and listened to the wild sighing through the crowns of the lofty pines. I made particular friendship with one huge tree and always played about its roots. I named it the Loving Pine, and my chums came to know it by that name. It's just, I love the phrasing that she comes up with, and I'm, I'm going to say that, that that's what makes prose poetic. And now let's go to something with a bit of a different attitude from a different writer, from Sherman Alexie, one of the great writers of our time. This is from the book Ten Little Indians, a short story called Whatever Happened to Frank Snake Church? In the story, Frank's uh, 40 years old, and he's trying to regain something of his lost self when he was a youthful basketball star. He's playing ball on a playground with a guy who's actually 20 years older than he is who goes by Preacher. And they've just finished playing, and Preacher is pretty much dressing him down and just give him a little what for about what he's doing in his life and what he's trying to do so seriously playing basketball as a 40-year-old. Here's what Alexi has Preacher say. You're just Frank, the pretty good shooter for an old fart. Nobody's looking to recruit you. Nobody's going to draft you. Ain't no university alumni lining up to financially corrupt your naive ass. Ain't no pretty little Caucasian cheerleaders just looking to bed you down in room seven of the Delta 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 house. Ain't no ESPN putting you in the plays of the day. You ain't as cool as the other side of the pillow. You're hot and sweaty, like an orthopedic support. You're one lonely Chuck Taylor high top, rotten in the ten-cent pile at Goodwill. 
Your game is old and ugly and misguided like the Salem witch trials. You're committing injustice every time you step on the court. I think I'm going to organize a march against your ancient ass. I'm going to boycott you. I'm going to boycott your corporate sponsors. Well, wait. You ain't got any corporate sponsors. Unless Nike has come out with a shoe called Tired Old Bastard. That's what I think is some poetic prose from Sherman Alexi. I'm Charlie Rossiter. This has been Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Munley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.